The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. I'm your host, Wanda Wallace, and welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. With me today is Bruce Regal. Bruce has spent his career in financial services in a variety of roles, but most significantly a CEO for a bank, for one of the big banks. Um, So, Bruce, welcome to the show. Hi, Wanda. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, You and I have been talking about how, how to help people at work for years and helping them to succeed, and it's nice to be able to talk to you on your program about it. Thanks very much. Much appreciated. And I think we have a fascinating story for today to discuss. Um, so today I want to focus on measuring performance or measuring behavior, we might say. And, Bruce, you have a really unique experience on how to measure things that really matters. Let me explain why I think this is so important first. Is that one of the critical skills for expert leaders as they're trying to make the transition into being more of the manager leader is that we always say to them, hire great talent, get great people, and trust them. And then we follow that advice with, but verify. So the question I inevitably get from expert leaders is, how do I know my people are doing the right things if I'm not into the details with them? One of the answers to that is focusing on what you're measuring. So what are you looking at? What are you observing? What are you paying attention to? And therefore, what are you trying to get other people to pay attention to? And so, Bruce, you've got tons of experience in trying to bring measurement systems that focus on the right actions, the right behaviors beyond just the revenue stream. So tell us about some of the things that you've done. Well, Wanda, firstly, the most important thing when developing any kind of measurement system isn't really what the measurements are, but it's deciding what it is you're trying to achieve. And I think in a lot of firms that I've seen, what happens is is that the boss gets up and makes speeches, the leader gets up and say, does his annual reviews or his quarterly reviews and asks people to follow him on a path that doesn't say exactly where you're headed. So the first thing you need to do is where, where's, where are you headed as a group? What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to be the number one competitor in a certain product or region? Or are you trying to, is your goal profitability? Is your goal teamwork? Is it a social enterprise? Whatever the goal is, figure out what the goal is first. And then figure out what the steps are to get to that goal. So if, if your goal, in our case, at the bank, our goal was to be top five in a certain sector of the investment banking market. And we had 
we felt that we knew what the steps were to get to that goal. And then we measured those steps as opposed to what happens with a lot of measurement systems, which is the boss gets up, makes speeches, says where the group needs to go, but then an, another group is brought in to use testing or psychometric testing or other methods of, of doing 360-degree reviews based on a different leadership model or a different set of goals than what, what the group's goals are. So the, the first thing is... What are the goals? What are you trying to achieve? And then from there, what are the building blocks to get to those goals? And then from there, in a way, the measurements are much easier if you go through that step process. Okay, so let me take an example. Um, I was talking with someone very, very recently about the CEO's intent within a group. And the CEO's goals would be we want to focus on customer centricity and we want to develop greater teamwork. And I would give them that those are really good goals for that particular company. But then the metric system is really largely around uh, revenues. So what do you say to that case? Well, I, I think that's a perfect example that just like if you're dealing in a family situation with children or any other group of people, if you say the goal is one thing but then you measure something else, if you say, I'm not worried about your grades at school, but then when the report comes come every time you spend all your time looking at the grades, then, that, that's the, then that's a mixed message. And if you give your employees mixed messages, not only will they not achieve the goals, but your leadership position, I'd, I'd argue, is eroded. So in that case that you, that you give, I think one of two things are happening. Either the leader who made those statements about customer centricity and uh, what was the other teamwork. customer centricity and teamwork is that that individual actually believes that revenues are more important, so he's giving a mixed message, or he's just falling back on what is measurable, he or she. Okay. So, so I, how do you in, in my view, I like, think... So individuals contribute to mm-hmm. achieving a goal and teams to contribute to for achieving a goal. So how do you account for both the individual and the team? Okay. So here's a couple of things that we did. First of all, let's start with the revenues, which obviously in any firm is, are, are important. And when people get up and say that revenues are important, uh, if, if your goal is profitability and you're working at a public company or even a private company, revenue must be important. But there are different ways of measuring revenue. In banking, particularly corporate finance where I worked, most transactions require a team, teamwork. They require individuals working very hard, and you want to measure each individual's performance, but you also want to measure how the team is working. So one of the things that we did is th- there's two, two sort of traditional ways of measuring revenue. One is on a single count basis where you take all the revenues on a transaction and you divide them up amongst the six or seven people who are working on that transaction. Maybe in quite a complicated way, there'll be A players and B players and support players, etc. And you take the million dollars and you divide it up amongst those six or seven people. What we did is we, will, we went down that route and said that is an important measure, but we're separately also going to say another measurement is if you worked on a transaction that was worth a million dollars in revenue to the bank, we will, in the second column, credit you with the whole million. So we're giving a individual revenue component and a team revenue component. 
and therefore we're giving a message that both are important. Now you can then go and measure, you can then go and directly measure how well people are working on teams by asking other people in the group. So you can go and ask all the members in a team who helped them during the year. So if, if in our division we had thousands of people, we went out and asked them and the most senior people, who helped you outside of your product area? So not, not I'll, you know, I'll give, give the guy beside me a pat on the back and he or she will give me a pat on the back. No, you, you go outside your team. Who helped that individual? And we came, we, it was a voting system, basically. Not perfect, but at the end of that voting system, we had a list of who helped other people. And at the group at the top were undoubtedly the people who were the best at teamwork and felt that teamwork was important, and the group at the bottom needed some work. All right, so you just named then three ways of looking at teams' performance. And those could all be tied to revenues or not tied to revenues. One is what's the proportion of the revenue that came in that we're attributing to you as to your individual effort? What's the size of the entire package that the team contributed because somebody who contributes $10 as a team versus somebody who contributes $10 million as a team should get different credit? And then we say outside your immediate buddies or net, close network, who are the people that were most useful to you over the course of the year? So three different ways of assessing the contribution to the organization. Did you have other metrics? That's right. Sorry? Did you have other metrics? I mean, have you seen in other clients as well metrics that kind of get at some of these fuzzy concepts that we always talk about, like teamwork and collaboration and leadership? Well, I, th- I think I mean, one, one of the other ones that we looked at was franchise building. So we said, who is helping the firm grow across the whole firm, not just your little product area? So obviously within a bank there are different products. So one of the things that we said is if, if, if you are responsible for a client in a sort of fourth column of measurement, we will look at the revenues earned with that client across the whole bank, including areas that you're not responsible for. So there was an example where we were, we were actually saying that if you were in product A, but you helped someone in a completely different division get revenues with product B with that same client, that we would give you credit for that. E- even if you didn't help, in fact, we, we said that the team for the whole revenue across the whole firm would get some credit in that column. And the idea there was that if, if you can get, obviously, you, you want to be a, a gold-level provider to the clients that you're working with. So you, you want to get over some s- certain level, and you need the whole firm working against that. So give everybody credit. Now, again, this looks like a lot of credits going around, but this is just one of multiple measures. Uh, and then I think it's, it's this idea of asking people. You know, if you want to your client-centric uh, approach, go and ask the client, which we did in some cases. Go and ask the client to tell you who in the team was helpful, what, what you do as a bank differently than other banks. I, I'm a great believer that if you poll enough people, you will get a reasonably robust answer to the questions you're trying to ask. And uh, this, this comes from 
a book that I read quite a while ago uh, called The Wisdom of Crowds by James Hiroki. And what James argues is that if you've got a group of independent people and they're diverse, that the group will get you, give you a better answer than individuals. So in a way, it doesn't, it, you can measure anything by asking your employees and your clients what they think. And if it's a so big enough group... you really do use, throughout this entire model, a sense of getting other people to weigh in on the factors that make a difference in achieving the goal that you set out. Whether Correct. that goal is customer centricity, whether that goal is teamwork, whether that goal is franchise building, whatever the goal is, we're going to find people to weigh in who can give us a view on how well somebody's doing. Yeah. So I'll give you another example. If, if you've decided, and as you can imagine, we had decided this, and a lot of banks have been working on this, that compliance is a, and, and risk control is a critical area that you want individuals to work on. Well, if, if the, the, the leader often will get up and say, our colleagues in compliance and risk management and finance and accounting and, and other control er- legal, other control areas are critically important and they are our partners, even though they may earn less money and they may be what appears sometimes as less prestigious jobs. Well, you make that statement, why not go and ask those individuals how they think the individuals in your team are doing. So we did feel that compliance was very important, and we went to the compliance department and said, tell us, tell us here's, here's the list of you know, X many hundred MDs and directors. Who are, within this group of people, who are the people who are the stars who really help all the time? Who are the people in the B group who are sort of neither helpful or not helpful? And who are the people in the C group who... who are, are negatively helpful. Uh, and, and the importance of doing something like that, you know, the, not, not only do you get a good measure out of that, you're signaling to your people in your team, and if you're in a front office role, you're signaling to your people that you mean what you say, right? Compliance and human resources and, eight, and legal and other control areas are important. We're giving them a say in our performance measurement model. You're also enabling those control areas by saying to you, we think you're so important that we're giving you a vote. And again, if it's a small firm, you probably have to ask and, and, and take sort of qualitative measures. You know, what do people say about each other? But in a larger firm, I think you can almost just go and vote. And if you have enough people being asked, you will get a robust answer that can stand up to scrutiny. Okay. All right, so Bruce, we're going to take a break here, Um, but if I take the point, you've given us like six unique measures, well, I guess five unique measures, on how to think about bringing a group towards a common goal so that everybody both understands what are the steps we're going to have to take as a business in order to reach that goal, and then you're putting the emphasis on the areas that really matter and giving people a say in how well that's gone. So we look at percentage of individual revenue, we look at the team size of the revenue, we look at who helped outside the team, we look at clients saying who has been most helpful for you, we look at the franchise building, who's been really useful in building revenue across outside your immediate area, and we look at control or um, compliance areas to say who's been really an A, B, or a C partner to you. 
And again, the notion is the more people we ask, the more robust the answers are going to be. Fabulous. All right, now, Bruce, when we come back from break, I want to talk about the implications of that sort of measurement system on the culture that you have in the company, including does it become a burden for the company. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace, and with me today is Bruce Regal. Bruce has been COO for um, financial services businesses, as well as running his own consulting company at the moment. We've been talking about performance metrics, the ways in which you measure how you put emphasis on what people are paying attention to and how you get people focused on doing the things that will actually build towards the goals that you've set. So we talked in the last segment about six different kinds of metrics that Bruce has put in place to get people focused on building the franchise, focusing on the team, doing more than just your individual contribution. But, Bruce, my question now is, when you put in all those different kinds of metrics and we put in this voting system and we're measuring revenues in different ways, don't you add just a heavier burden on the people who are having to do the rating? How do you get over the complaints about that? That's a very good question, Wanda, and there's, as you can imagine, when we put this 
this process into place, there were plenty of complaints. I think the first thing, and, and this is really important, the first thing is, is longevity of management. And I'm sure you've talked about this on your show before. Part of the problem in financial services, but in all industries, is the, is the turnover in personnel, particularly at the, at the top levels. And for the first few years, we started this at the, early in the last decade. And for the first few years, people pushed back. The measurements aren't accurate. They're biased. They don't tell the whole story. There was lots of complaints and, and fighting back. And I think what happened over time is they realized that the leader of our division and I weren't leaving, and we were going to continue down this route. We were willing to change the measurements and think differently and take feedback, but that the, the process wasn't going away, uh, and the, the measurement system wasn't going to go away. And then suddenly people say, okay, this is really here. I, I can fight the system, but it's, it's not going to go away just because I'm fighting it. So I think that's one important thing. Uh, I think it's, you've got to be very careful how you use it. Uh, you're not trying to measure everything. You, you want a, a, not a large number of measurements. You want a few measurements. You want different measurements complementing each other with some overlap so you're testing around the edges. Uh, and you... Whatever you do, you shouldn't use it religiously because that, that's where the real danger comes in. Uh, there was a, a story here in the, in the UK a couple of weeks ago about a school where they'd had some consultants in and the school had been convinced that just before an important set of exams, six months before, they thought it would be a good idea to tell all the students where they stood in the class. And they actually put up on the board, on the screen, in the classroom one morning, unbeknownst to the students and the parents beforehand, a ranking of how all the students were doing in that class with photographs beside each name, just in case the students didn't recognize each other's names. And of course, havoc broke out, uh, arguments about the ranking, but most importantly, the children at the bottom of the class got a lot of stick from their, co their, their classmates because, you know, they weren't doing well. And here was some information on the board saying that and the, the swats at the top also you know the teachers pets were at the top so you sh you've got to be very careful to do a lot of do measurement but then use it in a soft way and not use it directly necessarily to determine people's compensation on a you know 100% correlation basis so I, I think those are two important things. You've got to be consistent and stick with it and say, we're here, we're, we are going to continue to measure, we're going to listen to you and take feedback about the measurement system and are we measuring the right things. And then secondly, don't use it by itself as a really blunt instrument because that will demotivate people, not motivate them. Okay, so we're not using this to embarrass people. Um, or to put people in categories. What we're doing is looking at where do I really want to reward particular performance and where do I want to get feedback. So in a soft way, as you say. Yeah. And when you put in a measurement system like this, Bruce, do you see other benefits to the culture? Do you see changes in the culture? We spend a lot of time talking about culture, but we never talk about how you actually move a culture. Well, I, I think <clears throat> over time, yes. I mean, we... It, it, especially in a big firm 
like I worked in, and I've worked in a couple of big firms, it's very difficult to get everybody aligned to the overall goals of the firm. And, it, you know, what are the overall goals of the firm? Are those what the shareholders define or the CEO or the management team or your division head or your immediate boss? Uh, so I think the biggest cultural difference was it, it got people to sign up to what the plan was of, of moving into this bulge bracket of international banks according to this, this uh, certain set of league tables. And, you know, over time, people either decide, you know, a lot of, you know, I heard on your call last week, uh, the, the, the lady you were interviewing says, you know, silence doesn't mean agreement. Yeah. So you sit in these big rooms and, and the leader makes a speech about where you're headed and there's often a lot of silence in the room and the leader might take that as meaning that everybody agrees and they're all going to leave that room and go ahead. Whereas, no, they may not disagree with what the leader's trying to achieve. They're just not going to be on the team trying to achieve it because it's not reaching their goals or because they want to do something else or because they're lazy or whatever the reason is. So I think one of the things this did in the culture is it, it built a team. It, it, we all under, if, if someone went to an individual, whether it was a senior person or a more junior person in London or in Hong Kong or in Tokyo or wherever, and said, what is the division trying to achieve? The employees could answer that question because they'd heard the leaders talking about what those goals were, and they knew that the measurement system was measuring exactly those specific goals. So maybe people, individuals changed. They, those who weren't on the team decided that they were on the team. Maybe some people left and we hired other people who, were, who knew about the, what they were going to get measured on, so therefore were happier to join a team that was measuring that kind of thing and trying to achieve those goals. But over time, it built a culture of uh, every you, you know, more. I, look, I don't want to say that we built the, you know, that it was perfect by any means. But there was more of a culture. Hey, we're all in this together, and we agree with what we're trying to achieve, and we know what it is. Okay. I think another so, area is diversity, but we'll get to that maybe. We'll get to that one in a minute. So I find this fascinating. I was just having a conversation today with someone about the challenges of getting the organization to be able to articulate the goals of the organization. And in 99% of the companies, people cannot really say what we're trying to achieve. What you're saying is putting in metric systems aligned to those goals where people are measured by them. They know that. It at least gets them able to articulate what you're trying to achieve. Now, did you have other intangible benefits on, let's say, things like recruiting? Did did it affect any of those sorts of things? Well, I think just the fact that we were improving the culture and people were signed on to what we were trying to achieve made people more enthusiastic about recruiting. And, and, and we certainly improved our ability to recruit both graduates and more senior people. Uh, in fact, we actually went out and decided that recruiting was an important measure in the system. And I'm, I'm going to you know, throw out some statistics here. We put one question, which is, how well did you help, how well did the senior people, each individual, help in recruiting? And again, we went to HR and we said, we're not going to decide who's helping in recruiting because 
HR is this the, the support function who's helping us with this. So we enabled the HR people by going to them and saying, tell us who the star players are in recruiting. Tell us who, that's the A group. The B group was, who are the people who don't volunteer and come to you and uh, ask to be involved in recruiting? But, but if you ask them, they help. And who are the people who either don't help or don't get asked because you don't want to ask them. So the ABC group. And this measurement was 5%. So it was a minor, minor measurement. And as you can imagine, early on, a lot of the MDs said, this bank pays for revenues and I'm not going recruiting because I could be spending that, instead of spending that day at, at Duke or whichever university doing recruiting, I could be out getting that million-dollar deal. Uh, and... Our answer to that was okay. If the, you know, the, you're right. You're a professional. You you have decisions you need to make. But we think recruiting is important. It's not as important as revenues. It's five percent as opposed to, you know, much higher percents. Uh, but over time, people decided that they did want to be involved in recruiting because they got a bit tired of going into my office or my boss's office and finding out that they were. In nine of the ten metrics, they were A players, but in the recruiting metric, even though it only counted 5% to some overall measure and probably didn't necessarily affect their comp, they didn't like getting a C in, in any category. Just like this, you know, th- these are the high potential performers that you talk about on your show so often. They are high achievers in the first place. They want to get straight A's. Now you've told them that you have a measurement system. They want to get straight A's again. So some of the people who at first weren't interested in recruiting did come to, you know, there was, I remember one specific individual, a very senior guy who'd been around for a long time, a lot longer than I had. Uh, he, he came in and said, Bruce, how do I get involved in recruiting on campuses? Because I know I'm not scoring very well in that area. In fact, in that case, if I remember correctly, that individual was so senior that he was actually a consultant and had, had reached sort of a consultancy level in the firm where his compensation wasn't very variable. He was basically on a, on a fixed contract. And he still wanted to score well and have, the bo- you know, have his colleagues and the boss and, and the people in HR say that individual is really good at recruiting. He's one of our A players. So perfect. We're going to take a break again, Bruce, but if I just sort of summarize, one of the key highlights of this is not only do you get people aligned and aware of what the goals and the metrics that they're being measured are, not only do you get that one, but you can also get some other benefits and getting people to participate in activities in the firm that matter even if they're not a huge part of compensation, and it's, they participate because they want to be A players in every single category that you measure. And I also take your point that it's not a rigid system. You have to be there for a long time so people know it's not going to go away. You need to take some feedback on it, and you also need to apply it in a soft way. All right, we're going to take a break at this point. When we come back, I want to talk, um, Bruce, about motivation and what you learned about what motivates people along the way. So we will be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace.com at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace. With me today is Bruce Regal. Bruce has held positions as COO in the financial services business and is now running his own consulting company. We've been talking about measuring things that really matter, using your measurement systems to track more than just revenue and particularly to put the focus on the steps that you know need to be done in order to achieve the goals that you've set for the business. We talked about a range of measurement systems, things from you know, how do you, uh, ins- how do you assess who has been really helpful for recruiting, as well as how do you say who's been helpful outside your immediate team and outside your division in terms of building the franchise. Now, Bruce, along the way, in working as many years as you have and as many different clients as you've worked with on these measurement systems, you must have learned a lot about what motivates people. So what have you learned about what is motivating? Is money really the answer? <laughs> In a word, no. I don't think money is the answer. Interestingly, when we set the system up uh, at the bank, the, the, the original purpose was compensation. Uh, my boss actually directly asked me, he said, Bruce, you're an analytical kind of guy from the University of Chicago. I hate how we pay people in banks in, in these rooms where... 
senior people get in a room and just decide how large buckets of money are split up in bonus pools. Uh, when I say people, I usually mean men because that's usually what it is in those rooms. Uh, and he said, what I'd like is a model where you just put a whole bunch of data in one end and out the other end comes pay. And that was sort of the impetus for building the model in the first place. And as I talked a little bit in the last session about the softness, we never got to, and nor should we have ever gotten to, that ideal model. And I think he was certainly right in pushing us in that direction because we wouldn't have achieved things if he hadn't sort of pushed us beyond our boundaries. But that's not where we ended up. But, but the big eureka moment for me was a few years later when I realized that measuring the performance and giving people feedback and telling them a couple of things, one, three things maybe, what you as a group are trying to achieve, being very clear about that, taking feedback from them on how they thought we could achieve that and what their role was and what we could do better, and then three, giving them feedback about how they were individually doing was in itself a motivator. So that individual I spoke about in the last session who wasn't involved in recruiting, and by getting involved in recruiting, he, wasn't, he was very unlikely to increase his pay. His pay was basically fixed. He wanted to get involved in recruiting because he wanted to be seen to be doing well, and I hope, and he didn't directly tell me this, I hope because he felt part of the team and, and, and wanted to achieve. Uh, so I don't think pay is the motivator or the most important motivator. I think one of the things that people do look for, though, is fairness. So if, you, if you're in a system where there is pay for performance, and I use that term in inverted co in, in quotes, you better, there better be a correlation between performance and pay. So if you have a system of bonuses, so not everybody's getting paid the same or in a lockstep kind of way as, as they mature through the organization, if, the, if there are variable bonuses, those bonuses better have some correlation with pay, not because the pay itself is a motivator, but because people will see it as unfair. And, and we all know this. I saw it year after year. When somebody got their bonus, what they were really interested in wasn't so much in the size of the bonus, as, although that's what we should be interested in, maybe, because that's what we can pay the bills with, and etc. They were more interested in how did they compare to their other the, pe the people across the desk from them in the next office, down the corridor, in the next building, and in another country. So fairness, both in pay and in everything else, is a big motivator. I think a big motivator, as I said, is being part of a team, being part of achieving something, uh, and, and trust, and being appreciated. Those are, those are the real motivators. Interesting about that. I have a favorite story I tell about this from financial services. Um, I was interviewing, it was in an investment bank, and I was interviewing every one of the lead individuals within the investment bank, so all the heads of various components, and said to them at the time, they would all say to me, the only thing that motivates people is pay. I remember going back to them and saying, fine, but each of you could move companies right now and increase your pay because that's the norm. You move to another company, you're going to get a bonus, a bump up in your pay. But none of you are moving. So why? To a person, they all said, because I want to be part of what we're trying to achieve here. 
I want to be part of this team. I think one of the reasons that we get so focused sometimes on pay is because it is often the only indicator of my value. Um, and that is a huge piece for people. And, that, and, and so, Wanda, you, that's exactly right. So if you give people information of what their value is by telling them how they're doing, telling them how they're, you know, giving them this report cardy kind of approach that I'm talking about, or just inviting them over to your house for dinner, your team, and then cooking, cooking for them or doing something that shows your appreciation for the other person, that actually is going to go a lot more further to their feeling appreciated than the pay. And, and your description of investment banks, I, I, know, I can just imagine the people you're talking about. You know, one of the things that happens in investment banks in particular is because there's so much money, or there was and I think there still is today, when someone was disgruntled, what, what, people, what people did was throw money at them. You know, Sam's thinking of leaving for Merrill Lynch. Well, give him a chunk of deferred stock, huge chunk, six figures. And what would res- And then somebody say, well, but you're not really addressing that individual's reasons for wanting to leave. It, he's actually unhappy with the team, or he's, he may say it's pay, but there must be other reasons, as you've just said. Uh, we, I think, in a lot of cases, could use money as a way of not engaging with people and not having that discussion and feedback and showing that appreciation. So what do you have? You, you have an individual who's a bit richer and a bit more tied into the firm but still doesn't feel appreciated. And stays disgruntled along the way. Well, and do you want disgruntled employees staying yeah. at the firm? Yeah. The, it's interesting about this. I talk with so many firms who want to improve their performance culture. And again, not just necessarily driven towards revenues, but driven to a whole host of behaviors that are going to lead the firm to succeed in the market that they've chosen to, to play in and in the way they've chosen to play. And we always know that giving feedback on the more intangible components of behavior is the most difficult thing, like how you're leading other people, how you're managing your team, how you're contributing to your team, colleagues, how collaborative, and so forth. And what you're describing in putting in, I'm going to call it a report card system in some ways, is a way of giving more credible, perhaps fairer feedback to individuals about how they contribute beyond just a revenue or an immediate um, number target. Yes. Okay. That's right. And you're, and you're, and you're not, you, 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 we're attempting, that when you're in having that discussion, that feedback discussion, you're not making up the data or using your own perceptions and maybe misconceptions of what the person's doing. You're, you know, on the recruiting question, you're not saying, I think you're a good recruiter or you're not that involved in recruiting. You're saying, the recruiters think that. Here's the information I'm getting from the third party who are directly involved. And as you talk about a lot in your program, as the boss, you can't be in the minutiae. You have to go get that information from elsewhere. And that information, when it comes from source, is much more credible when you're having that feedback session. Fabulous. All right, so if I just summarize this just for a minute in terms of thinking about motivation, um, the first statement is money isn't the answer, but that we often use money as a way not to engage with people, and I love that kind of summary that you've given there. 
um, that, you know, putting in a good process of measuring the things that are really going to get you to the goals that you want to get to helps people understand their role, and it gives you a way of giving them direct feedback. And one of the things we know motivates people is when I'm getting very candid feedback about how do I improve. Second is it puts in a system that looks a bit more fair, we hope at least. At least it um, has some processes that look fair. That um, being part of a team and achieving something is really part of what motivates people, and this kind of a system helps people see the ways in which they're part of the team and they're achieving something. And it also gives you a way of valuing people, um, giving them information about how they're doing, as well as all the other intangible ways that we value people. So if I just summarize again, motivation is about treating people fairly, giving them feedback, being part of the team, achieving something that matters, and showing that they are valued as individuals. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Bruce, I want to talk about the impact of such systems on diversity and on building an inclusive culture. Does it really help? Does it take people who feel slightly disadvantaged and make an even playing playing field or not? And we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace. With me today is Bruce Regal, and we've been talking about measuring things that really matter, the things that make a difference to achieving the goals that you really set out that you want to achieve. And that means you have to know what the steps are that achieve that goal. We had a couple of very interesting points so far. One is that measuring more than just revenue is going to help get people focused on the things that are going to make a real difference, like the ways they're contributing to recruiting or to the team performance or to the franchise building. 
And we've also talked about the fact that motivation isn't driven only by pay, though we often use money as an excuse to not address some of the real underlying motivation issues. That people are often motivated by, for one, wanting to score an A-plus on everything that you're measuring, or two, by being part of the team and trying to achieve something and putting in a more sophisticated measurement process can help getting that. Now, Bruce, I want to turn and talk about the hot topic at the moment, which is diversity. We're all focused, all the companies that I deal with at least, are focused on how you can ensure that unconscious bias comes out of the system, both in the recruiting process as well as in the promotions and reward and recognition process. So does a system like this help in terms of diversity? Well, I think, and again, this was another eureka moment for me, I think, you know, 10, 12 years ago around this. I, I think it helps diversity in a huge way because you're actually using measures of performance that are robust and credible and third party and hopefully have as much bias as possible taken out of them. Now, you can never produce a system that's unbiased, but as as much of it as possible. Uh, And so when you're sitting and talking about an individual's compensation, you're not talking about some perception of them or your friendship with them or your knowledge of what they were like when they were at university with you or five years ago when you last went on a business trip with them, but you're actually using up-to-date data that talks about how they're doing in terms of revenue production, in terms of teamwork, in terms of building franchises and building the firm, in terms of risk compliance. So there's a set of data that you're actually looking at around that individual. Uh, And of course, unconscious bias is there. There's a lot of discussion about whether you could teach people to be less more conscious of their unconscious biases, but by the fact that it's unconscious, that might be difficult to do. But when there's hard data in front of people, it's hard for them to uh, argue against that. And and the, I remember at, uh, at the bank we had a speaker once, Stella Remington, who was the female head of one of the security services here in the UK. And somebody asked her why she and another lady had been, there'd been two heads of the security services in this country who were women in a row. And she said, well, you know, I don't know. She wasn't really that willing to jump on that question, as many people aren't. But she said, one of the reasons might be that, you know, in the end, we're a bunch of spies. And because we were spies, nobody, everybody didn't know everybody else's name when we were moving up the ranks. We had numbers. And so when people were deciding on promotions and pay and things, they were looking at a column where the first column wasn't a name or a gender. It was a number. And then data about performance. And maybe this was her guess, and she's got the experience. Maybe that's why in, the, in that world, surprisingly maybe, because you'd think it would have some of the unconscious biases of other, why would it be different, she and other women had, had managed to succeed. So I, I think it's a huge advantage when it comes to diversity. So I'm presuming, Bruce, you're not advocating that we talk about people as a number system. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, let me back up no, no, from that. No, I don't, and that, I don't, that goes absolutely to the, to the softness of the system. But you, 
no, it's absolutely about relationships and people and feedback, etc. But combined with that relationship aspect is some hard information around actual performance. Makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the, and I can imagine how this would work. Let me just focus on women for a minute. One of the comments that I get routinely from women is that they feel that they contribute to the whole, that they're much more willing to sacrifice some of their own um, gain for the greater good, whether that's true or not, that's how they feel. And they feel that what gets rewarded is a much more male, quote-unquote, behavior of the bravado of bragging about my particular accomplishment. And that's what gets noted and then discussed in the review systems and then rewarded. So when you put in a process like this, you're going to take out some of the gain that people might get on the bravado or the self-promotion, I would presume. Yes, no, that's right. In fact, and, and I saw it, what would often happen at the end of the year is that senior bankers would come in and with their with their brag list here's the 17 transactions i worked on and and here's what my perceived contribution was in each one of the 17 and here's the total you know and i that totals 100 million dollars and i must admit i saw lots of men doing that and i don't ever remember seeing a woman do that maybe that's because there were fewer women but i didn't see women doing that now when that happened we had our own list that said, well, let's go through those lists. Of those 17 transactions, it seemed like you were only actually on the deal team for 12 of them, and here's a different view on the measurement of what your contribution was. So we're accepting that you are an important person, etc., but you have some actual information to bring that bravado. You know, you don't want to destroy the bravado completely. That's how that helps people succeed too, feeling good about themselves, etc. But bringing it down to earth a little bit more and putting it on a on a level playing field. So we're back to the ability to give concrete feedback about where you stand, how large the contribution, how other people see you, etc. Really is. That's right. Okay, fascinating. So, Bruce, if I sort of step back from all of this conversation, there are a couple of things that resonate with me. Um, one is one key takeaway is that you can have a goal as a leader or as a company, but that the goal then needs to be broken down to the actions, the behaviors, the steps that we have got to take in order to achieve that goal. And I find way too often we leave some of that out. That once we identify the steps, we can then create reasonable, perhaps not perfect, metrics that are going to let us assess how well people are doing against those goals. Even if what we have to do is to go out and get a lot of people to weigh in and give us feedback on who was really helpful and who wasn't really helpful, enough people will get us where we need to go. And that takes us into the ability to give better feedback to people, to motivate people beyond just the money, to get them to understand how they're actually contributing to the team, to appeal to their sense of pride about being great in everything, and begin to change the culture, even on ways like diversity. So fabulous suggestions. Bruce, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, Next week, Jim Kinsella, who is a tech entrepreneur, 
is going to be talking with us about how he sees technical people and specialists and engineers and programmers make that transition from manager to leader. And he has four key points about what distinguishes the best leaders from the rest. So please join us. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week. We'll be right back. 